I just love the idea that Jesus comes from a blended family. I just love that idea. Maybe it's because I come from a blended family. Maybe it's because my parents were divorced and I grew up, uh, half of my adolescence was with a, a stepmom and uh, I've got half sisters. And, uh, you know, the idea that Jesus has half siblings or half sisters and half brothers uh, just fascinates me. And the fact that one of these brothers named James wrote a letter and, and talked about what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus when he lived his entire life not even believing that Jesus was the Son of God. Um, he didn't even believe it. And, and I relate to that. You know, if, if you grew up uh, with a brother or a sister and, and all of a sudden your brother or sister looks at you and says, something I've been meaning to tell you, um, I'm from heaven. <laughs> you know, I mean, there'd have to be a part of you you just go, uh, and you're crazy. Uh, you're nuts. But uh, James began to unpack it. And, um, and, and what he does in chapter 4, is, or what I saw as I was reading in chapter 4, is he put out four challenges um, that we have, that humans have. We have these four, obviously we have lots of challenges on this. So long as we're going to be in the world, we're going to have trouble. But he, 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 he talks about four specific challenges uh, that we have. And then he talks about the antidote to cure or to solve these four issues. And so we're going to kind of go through the chapter um, and, and find those four challenges that he's talking about. So let's dive right into it. And uh, we're going to start just straight away on the first verse. Uh, it reads like this in, in James chapter 4, verse 1. It reads, What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Now, just lift your eyes off the, the page of the Bible Take your eyes away from the screen and let's just realize what he's saying here. He's saying, now this is a letter, okay? He's not talking out loud. He's not teaching in front of people. This is a letter that he is writing to a group of believers. And so um, he is clearly, obviously, somebody sent word to him, either in person or through a letter, and said, there's a lot of arguing taking place within our church family. That's what he's saying. There's a lot of arguing and fighting. And so he says straight away, this is in chapter 4, he's talked about some other things. And so he's saying, what, what is this I hear about the arguments and the fighting? What's this all about? Now, he may have been writing, uh, I've got Jewish blood in me. Uh, my grandfather on my mother's side is a full-blooded Jew. And um, uh, that's also the Brazilian side. So if, if he was writing anybody even close to my family tree, I understand why he's saying what he's saying. Because my mother's side 
They know how to fight. Now, some of you guys are looking at me like, we don't know what you're talking about. Our family never has a disagreement. (laughs) And that's okay. That's okay. I understand you can posture yourself that way. But just let me tell you this. At my family reunion this past weekend, every one of us was praying for weeks leading up to this family reunion that there would not be a war in the house. My grandmother told me, she said, Mephilio, it's Portuguese for my son. She goes, Mephilio, you listen to me. Uh, so I lean in, I said, what vovó? It's, it's, it means grandmother in Portuguese. <laughs> but you didn't know that. And, and, and I said, what, what? And, and she says, she goes, every family fights. And, and she goes, and, and there's times when you fight when you need to throw something. <laughs> she says, and so when you throw something, be sure to throw it hard. <laughs> so this is what I'm, I'm learning at my family reunion. If you, every fa- and so I didn't know. So if if James is writing anyone even close to my family tree, I understand why he's starting it this way. He's saying, what what is all the fighting about? And then he says this. He just pops us right in the nose. He says, don't they come from the evil desires that war within you? Hmm. This would be the point where we would say, James, why don't you mind your own business? (laughs) Let me keep reading. Watch this. Uh, I don't have it on the screens. I apologize. But but, uh, I'm going to just... This is verse 2. You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Now, at that point, I'm hoping he's not talking about any one of us. You are jealous of what others have, and you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away. Now, some of the versions of of Bible that you guys have, it says this. You're fighting because you're not getting your way. Now, that is when I stop reading, and I want to encourage you guys. When you read the Bible, it's not about how much you can read, is how much you can get out of what you read. And, and what James is saying here, he's saying, you guys are fighting because all of you want your own way. That's why you're fighting. And so what is it on the inside of you that has to have your way? And he indicates that there's an evil there when you have to have your way. And so the first challenge that he talks about is the challenge of arguments and fights. And so I I, want to just say uh, um, that there are things on the inside of us that you and I have got to be aware of. We just have to be aware of them. Um, You know, I, I have no problem admitting that most of the arguments that my wife and I have been in has been over the simple fact that I 
want to be right. I have an addiction to right. I want to be right and I want her to say, you're right. And there's been arguments that I've been in with her where I've gotten around the 50 yard line. The voice has already come up a few octaves and I've realized, uh uh-oh, I'm not right. And so now i got to figure out how to argue better than her to become right. I'm just being honest. Now, some of the ladies in this room are like, and that's why I'm not coming back to this church anymore. Look, I'm being transparent, okay? I'm working on it. I'm working on it, okay? But I'm just just saying, uh, just kind of wrestling with it. That there, and I, and I want us to embrace this first point, that there are things on the inside of us that we have got to pray about, and I'm gonna get to the antidote, but there are things on the inside of us that literally lead us, pull us, it's like a magnet on the inside of us that draws towards evil. It's like pulls us in that direction. Watch. Let, let me read it to you. It says this, um, it says in James, this is earlier, uh, we're in chapter 4, but in his first chapter, he wrote this in chapter 1, verse 14, temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And so uh, he's saying, he's talking about arguments. He's talking about wanting to get your own way. But he's also talking about something much deeper. He's saying, look, there's something on the inside of us. And Paul calls it his flesh. He says uh, in his letter, maybe we'll study Philippians next. But he says that my spirit... And my flesh, they're at war. Uh, And I do what I don't want to do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do do. It's like this war. And so James words it a little bit different. He says, look, there's something on the inside of us, a.k.a. our flesh, our body, that draws and pulls us away. Let me read this verse to you. It's very interesting. This is in Mark chapter 7, verse 20. It reads like this. And then he added... This is Jesus talking. It is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality. This is so important that we hear this because anyone who, uh, who has a, an addiction to pornography or lust, that's coming from the inside of you. Anyone here who wants to cheat on their husband or um, uh, be in a sexual relationship outside of marriage. These are things that are on the inside of you that's pulling you away from a righteous life. And so this is Jesus talking. It says, it comes out of a person's heart. Now, out come evil thoughts, sexual immorality. Theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, people who lie, tell white lies, people who who lie, lustful desires. These are all things that come from within. Envy, slander, 
pride and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defiles you. And I read this scripture the other night. Um, I, I've told you guys before, when, when I can't sleep, I love how the Bible can be on your iPhone. I just love that. Um, but whenever I can't sleep, I, I reach over, I grab my iPhone, and um, uh, I, I open up my Bible, and I just read a few verses. And then I think about them. I usually don't read more than 20 verses, but I just read and, until I find something. And And a few weeks ago, I read that verse that I just read you, that all these evil things come from within. And so every time I've caught myself thinking something that I know God does not like, every time I think of something, I'm not talking about even fleshing it out. I'm talking before that I even get there. Just thinking about it. The kind of stuff that if it were to go on that screen, I would move to Miami because I'd be so embarrassed. Are you with me? Immediately, the minute I've thought it, I've thought to myself, dear God, please take that out from the inside of me. So I've been praying that prayer in my mind, not out loud, because I don't want people going, what'd you just think? (laughs) I'm just in my mind and in my heart, I say, God, take that sin out of me. So what James is saying here is the evil, the, the sinful, the stuff that comes to your mind, that's in you. The, the need to be right. The arguing. People that are argumentative. You ever have a friend that they're just, they're just always arguing. They're always, ah! It's like, gosh, man, every time I see you, you're yelling about something. If you're sitting next to him, do not point. I don't want any arguing in here tonight. I work alone, so no one... <laughs> But James is saying, look, there's a big challenge that we have. We all have it. And it pulls us away. It draws us away. And so James comes up with an antidote, a way to solve this issue. And here's the antidote right here. Let me read it to you. In John chapter 3, actually, let me back up. The antidote that, that we find is we look at Jesus and we say, okay, Jesus walked on the earth, faced all the temptations that we face, yet he didn't have a, one sin on record. In his whole life, he never committed one sin. How did he do it? Because however he did it is the way we're going to need to do it. In, in, in John chapter 3, verse 34, it reads like this. For he, speaking of Jesus, is sent by God. He speaks God's words. Now, here we go. Are you guys ready for this? This is so cool. For God gives him the spirit without limit. Did you get that? Jesus had the spirit without limit. Now, when I read that the other night, I went just like this. Huh. 
So it just work backwards here. It's not rocket science. If, if you can have something without limit, then that means you can have something with limit. If you can have an abundance of something, that means you can have an, a little bit of something. You can't have an abundance of something without there being a little bit of something. And so if, if Jesus has the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, without limit, which means he has all the access to the Holy Spirit he will ever need, all of it that exists he has access to, then I go, oh, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. That you were able to walk on this earth for 33 years being fully human and not sin one time because you had full access to the Holy Spirit. You guys tracking me? So I back up and I go, I need some more Holy Spirit. If I had more access, I don't think I would have the problems or the struggles, or the challenges that I do right now. Are you with me? I mean, it's very simple. Let's put it into uh, 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 money terms. If you have access to $100, you're going to have financial stress for anything more than $100. But if you have access to all the money in the world, you don't have any financial issues. And so naturally, you just back up and say, I need access to more money. It's not rocket science, but if it were, we could do that too, right? Oh, no, I'm just thinking out loud here. So the antidote is we need more Holy Spirit. And so you back up and, and I said, for me, now some of you guys may be way further along than me, but what that tells me is, first of all, first of all, step one is we need the Holy Spirit. We need the presence of God. But then after we have the presence of God, you're able to have more of the presence of God. And so for me, who has a relationship with Jesus and I have the Holy Spirit in my life, it is fair for me to say, um, I need more. I need more. And so let me just talk about the Holy Spirit just for a second. Um, and this is, don't clock out those of you that have a long, extensive church background, because I think that this is going to speak to you as well. You can be baptized. There's three different types of baptisms in the Bible. Three. Three different types. So if you're writing notes down, get ready. Uh, the first one is the baptism of salvation. Now, this is what happens when somebody says the prayer of, Dear Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. 
This is the first baptism. And, and if you want to go home and read about it, um, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. It says this, For we were all baptized by one Spirit. Who's doing the baptizing? I'll, I'll read it again. We were all baptized by one Spirit. Who's doing the baptizing? The Spirit. Very good. We were all baptized by one Spirit so as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, it doesn't matter. Whether slave or free, it doesn't matter. We were all given the one Spirit to drink. And so the person that is hanging on the cross... And he tells, because Jesus was on the cross and there were two thieves that were being crucified with him. Well, one of the thieves acknowledged Jesus as the Savior. And Jesus said back to him, you're going to see me in heaven. Well, Jesus isn't going to say, now, now hold on, we got to baptize you in water, so stay alive. No, at that moment, the minute he acknowledged Jesus as his Savior, bam, he's baptized into the body. And who baptized him again? Oh, yeah. Some of you have family members that were laying on their deathbed. And you said, squeeze my hand if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And they squeeze your hand. Boom, they're in heaven waiting for you. That's the first baptism by the... Spirit, that's the first baptism. Here's the second baptism. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Who's baptizing them? Mmm, I threw you a curveball. Jesus is about to go to heaven, and he tells them, Go make disciples. And you, go baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's telling that to all of his disciples. You go baptize them. So who's doing the baptizing? Bingo. So here's the second baptism. And now we're baptizing in water. Now here's the third baptism. Are you guys having fun tonight? I'm so glad to be home. I tell you, them, them Miami people, man, they got their beach, but man, I want to be in the oil fields of Texas where, where everything's chicken fried. Everything, we even ought a chicken fry steak. Wrap your head around that one. Here's the third baptism in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. This is Jesus talking. Now watch this. I baptize you with water. No, this is John the Baptist. John the Baptist, thank you. Whoever said, yeah, you're on it, you're on it. Who said that? Was that you, Richard? I, uh, you're on it. Whoever said, yeah, you're, you're on it, all right? You're on it, okay. So this is John the Baptist talking. A disciple. I baptize you with water. For repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I. He's talking about Jesus. Whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you 
with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And now there's a third baptism there. And so, who is baptizing with the Holy Spirit? Ah, so you see, now we're all working together here. So, watch this. The Holy Spirit baptizes us into the family. Disciples baptize in water. Jesus baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And so who baptizes you and I with the Holy Spirit? Jesus. So now if you go up there and you get baptized at our church, we baptize you in water. Why? Because Jesus said so. He said, go and make disciples and baptize in the name of Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And so when we back up and we say, I'm still under point number one, by the way, and I'm not lost, regardless of what it may sound like right now. When we back up and we go, I need more Holy Spirit. I believe it's perfectly within our rights to back up and say, Lord, you have baptized me in the Holy Spirit and I want to get drenched again. I want... I want more. I need more. I want more. I need more. There's a song right there, isn't there? Give me more. I want more. Something like that. So that is the antidote for this. You ever feel like you're arguing, you're getting mad a lot. You're short. Your your fuse is short. You're, you're anxious, you're mad, you're, you have this tendency, there's certain sins that are like banana split ice cream. It's like, I want it so bad. How did Jesus not partake? He had Holy Spirit without limit. We just back up and say, I need more of the Holy Spirit in my life. And that is not something that you and I can go buy at Walmart. That is something that Jesus pours onto our life. And you and I have got to be courageous enough to say, Lord, would you please pour it onto my life? That's point number one. We got three more to go. But they're shorter. Here we go. There's the next thing. Are you guys good? Everybody good? All right. The second challenge. I'm going to start going a little bit quicker. The second challenge is that there's sinful attractions. So in James chapter 4, verse 4, it says, You adulterers, he was not passive aggressive. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? You can't even be friends with the world. But if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And so uh, here's the, 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 the issue is, are there things in our life that if we were living life with Jesus in a physical way, like, like Jesus was in your car or Jesus was sitting right next to you or Jesus was in your bedroom while you were getting dressed and he is all those places, but you could see him. Is there anything that would contrast his liking? Because there's certain things that he just does not like. Here's an interesting verse. It's in Amos chapter 5 verse 21. This is God speaking. I hate, I despise your religious festivals. These people are having church. 
And, and I'm sure that they feel like, I mean, the whole festival was for God. I mean, people are... And this is... Uh, uh, it's not, it's not church. It's like a big festival. It's like Mardi, or not Mardi Gras. It's a Cinco de Mayo. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is all for God. And God's looking at this big party, this big celebration. And he says, I hate it. These people look like they're doing something good. And he backs up and he says this in Amos, I hate it. I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are stench to me. Everything you're doing, it stinks. That's how we know God has some Italian blood. <laughs> All this stinks. Man, this is so good. I got another message I'm burning to preach for this Sunday. I'm just, if I could pay you to bring a friend to church, I would. Because I'm juiced about this Sunday. So many of you guys bring friends all the time. Um, and I want to encourage you, this is a good Sunday to do it. Because I got this sermon burning in my pocket. Now, here's the thing. Jesus is saying there's certain things, it, it stinks. But then in contrast, watch this. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 18 it says this, I have received full payment and I have more than enough. This is Paul speaking. I am amply supplied now that I have received from this particular city the gifts you sent. Watch what he says this. You, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. So there, there are certain times where a group of people that are doing church stuff... Then it stinks. And then there's other people, the way they do church, it's like perfume. It's like, you know? And so, uh, how, how do we become or stay that type of person where God is just inhaling it. And, and he won't inhale it if we have this sinful attraction. And watch this. I feel like I'm about to just walk right up to somebody's house. And I don't know who you are. And I hope it's okay to come right to your front door. But you know, sometimes the sinful attraction is something that we have become really good at keeping it private. Really good at keeping it private. And um, I want to say this, that anytime I talk about private sins, usually people start thinking about pornography right away. And I think that that's, that's, um, that's, that's wrong uh, because pornography is certainly something that would be included in a private sin. But when I was, uh, when I was the, at my uh, family reunion, there were a couple people that they, they're not Christians and some of the things that they would say to each other were so mean. I mean, ridiculously mean. I'll give you an example. Um, one person said to the other person, my goodness, you've gotten so old. He's about 52, 53. 
You've gotten so old. You're old, skinny, and ugly. And he pretended like he didn't hear it because it was so offensive. And so the person that said it got a little bit louder. I mean it. You are old, skinny, and ugly. And so he tried to just pretend like he didn't hear it. And so the person pulled other people in. You see what I'm saying? Don't you think? He's old, skinny, and ugly. And it's not funny. This is a family reunion. We haven't seen each other in years. And, and so I want to back up and say that, hey, let's not just check out and say, oh, he's talking about people with a porn problem. Oh, I'm including that very much so. But the way we use our tongues around each other, now some of us may say, man, I'm not that bad. Hey, let's not play the comparison game. A sin is a sin. All rocks go to the bottom of the pool. The Bible says that we will be judged for every word that comes out of our mouth. And so for those of us that just say, hey, that's just the way I am and that's just the way it's going to be. And you're going to come in here and worship. I just want you to know your worship stinks. Now, for those of us that say, dear God, there are things about me that I know you don't like. And I want you to know I don't like them either. And I need the Holy Spirit to change my heart and change the way I am. And I can't stand it. I just want you to know, even if we're not free from it yet, Our worship is a sweet aroma because he sees us in the fight. Are you with me? But it's when we stop fighting and start accepting, that's when we stink. All right. So the antidote for a sinful attraction is in James chapter 4, verse 5. Again, we're we're just diving into chapter 4 here. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. Now watch this. Here we go. And he gives grace generously. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now watch this. In verse 4, he's talking about having friendship with the world. In verse 5, he's saying, he gives strength generously and lifts up humble people. In other words, for those of us in the room that have an attraction for sinful things, Humble yourself. Tell God. God. I need your grace. Mercy and grace are not one and the same. Mercy forgives us. And grace empowers us. Mercy says I'm sorry. Grace says I'm going to give you the ability. To not do that again. And the Bible says this. He gives it generously. Generously. Have you ever had somebody make you nachos? And and they're holding this boat with a bunch of chips in it. And they take the, the ladle and they stick it in the hot cheese. 
and they put it on there and you're like, dump it. You know what I mean? Dump it. And they like put a little bit on there and they hand it to you like, what's up with that? Dump it, man. I'm giving you a dollar and a quarter. Dump it. Right? Go ahead, dump it. And, and so there's somebody that's just stingy with the cheese. It's like, come on, man, put some cheese on it. And, and if Jesus was serving, he'd be like, bam, deal with it. Yeah, generous is, he's generous. He's generous with the grace. But you got to humble yourself and ask for it and say, dear God, if you leave me to my own devices, I'm going to take a shortcut to hell. If you help me, I need your help. All right? So the antidote is more grace. Number three, the challenge of being critical of others. This is verse four. James chapter four, verse 11 reads like this. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize, everybody say criticize. Yeah, you guys, you guys are loud now. Criticize. If you hear somebody criticizing me, do me a favor and tell them to shut up. And I'll tell you what, I'll do the same for you. Is that a deal? I'm just going to be like, hey, you, I need more of this, less of that, more of this. Otherwise, we're going to have some of that. Bam, boom. <laughs> See how that works? Now, you got more of that? I need more of this. I'm sorry. I'm I'm taking that thing too far. It says this in the Bible. (laughs) Let me get back in there. If you criticize and judge each other, if if you're criticizing somebody else, this is actually what you're doing. Then you are criticizing and judging God's law. Now you say, well, what does one have anything to do with the other? Let's imagine that, I don't know, who sets the speeding laws in our town? The mayor? Township? Whoever. Let's just say it's the mayor, even though Woodlands doesn't have a mayor. Let's just pretend. So the mayor sets the speed limit. The mayor is sitting right here at the table. You and I are talking about how stupid of a law that is. Well, he's the one that set up the law. And you and I are going to talk about how stupid it is that it's a 45 degrees, 50 degree, 50 miles an hour, all that kind of stuff. The mayor is in his right place to say, you guys aren't talking about how stupid that sign is or the law is. You're talking about how stupid I am for setting up that law. And what he's saying here in the Bible is when you talk bad about each other, even if you're right, see, you being right, you can be 100% right and 100% wrong at the very same time. What are you going to stand up in in front of Jesus in heaven and like, well, I was telling the truth. They are dumb. (laughs) What do you think Jesus is going to say? You know what? You're right. They are dumb. Wipe that off the books. I didn't know that they were talking about Johnny. That guy's an idiot. I watched him for all 62 years. He's an idiot. You are exactly right. I'm glad you told him too. 
You think that's going to happen? You think Jesus is going to look back and go, no, you're exactly right. I thought you were talking about the other guy. I would have been ticked about that. But this guy really is a jerk. No. So anytime you criticize anyone, even if you're telling the truth, just know this, you are involving God. And let me just tell you this. If you said, I really like Frankie Mazapika, but I can't stand his little brat daughter. Don't take this personal, but I'm not going to like you very much. And if you say back to me, but I like you. You guys know how to talk like that, right? It's like, I don't even have words for you. See, in high school, we're like, hmm, uh, you could talk with a hum. Hmm, I know, hmm. See, that's what it's like. If, If you're talking about somebody else, God is taking that personal. Let me close with this thought. Isaiah, I want you to come on up. Here's the antidote. Luke chapter 6, verse 28. Here we go. Buckle up. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And if I were to read that whole chapter, Jesus would point out, that is how, watch this, that is how people are going to know you're different. Because anybody can love people who like them. That's easy. But can you love people that don't like you? Now we're going to put you in a whole different category. So the antidote of being critical of others is blessing them. Now I said I had four, but I'm out of time. Actually, I'm going to squeeze it in. Surprise, surprise. Number four, James talks about tomorrow. Now, if you're not careful, you can kind of get lost in his words. I'm going to read it in anyway. In James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17, it says this. Look here. It's because he had some text in him. Look here. You who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. Verse 14. How do you know? What your life will be like tomorrow. Your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans. And all such boasting is evil. Now I had to think about this one a little bit because... On the surface, it's sounding like anyone who plans for tomorrow is an idiot. But that's not what he's saying at all. I think what he's saying is this. God has tomorrow in his hand. God has tomorrow in his hand. And don't start living your life as if you're in charge of tomorrow. 
or you know exactly what's going to happen tomorrow. Because you're not God. And to act like you're God is evil. In fact, you may not even have a tomorrow. And I think he would go on to say this. Some of the things that you fear about tomorrow is just the voice of the enemy and it's not reality. And it's evil to hear that voice and depend on that voice and believe in that voice more than the voice of the one who's holding tomorrow. Tomorrow. 